I, I write, just like I write Cuomo resign D. a lot. Yeah. Right. No, that's, my thing is writing Cuomo resign all over the place. I like doing that. It's like, we find your post kind of derivative. Yeah, <laughs> Epstein was. You're innocent. not doing anything original. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's, do you retweet Asher a lot? We retweet each other a lot. Yeah. I assume that that's they the, know. No, like that's bot behavior. Oh. You're probably triggering their bot. I don't retweet Asher that much. Yeah, I don't. Really I don't think that I'm saying no, anything no, you'd have worth to retweet it. Every tweet or like a lot. So of I'm not a bot. I. What <laughs> happens is <laughs> news is to that, me, Rev. Is that uh, uh, Russia, uh, the uh, NKVD or whatever the hell they are, mails me money. They mail me an <laughs> right. envelope full of rubles <laughs> and tells me what to write, and I right. write it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a bot. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Comrade Raf, you are to tweet eight things about pro Bernie Sanders this week. Ca- capitalism is toilet, and that's what I tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Welcome to the show, everybody. That's my favorite of your tweets. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Como resign <laughs> in Cyrillic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. So how come Alan gets to be first? The Honorable Sam Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, always first. And our lawyer, Raphael Rettenberg, ESQ. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> how come Raph gets to be last? And today we are talking about Cube. Cubanon. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Time Cubanon. <laughs> Wait. Oh um, my god, it makes sense now. <laughs> I never put it together. Nineteen ninety seven. We're through the looking grass, people. Wow, what a piece of shit this movie was. <laughs> they don't have I actors in Canada? <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. There's so many funny actors. They do. They're Nobody so in Canada is good at anything, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're really good at being burn. nice to people there. Maybe you should learn it sometime <laughs> there, America buddy. <laughs> Uh, you just half of the room, Alan. Uh, Sam, like you cares. are not Canadian, and no, Asher well, barely I'm, is I'm Canadian. Yeah, I have my Canadian ID card in case shit ever goes bad here, but I somehow think that that's not going to help me. I'll show it to I you can sometime. Get, I can get one of those if I go to Montreal. <laughs> it says, this person is a sovereign <laughs> right. citizen of the nation of Canada. Um, I'll cut that. That's accurate. I, I have two things to say about this movie. Oh. One is that I, I realized recently how important expectations are in watching a movie. Oh, yeah. So there were two... Actually, the two things I, w- I was going to say are interrelated. So watch out. So <laughs> so one thing is that I thought I had seen this movie before uh, with my cousins like in Florida one time. like We were just bored and we watched it. And then like most of the way through the movie, I realized that I had seen... And I was like, oh, I hated that movie. And then most of the way through the movie, I realized I'd seen... A cube sequel. Hypercube. Nice. Se- I think I'd seen Hypercube. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So Which this movie is significantly so better than, yeah. than that movie. Yeah. Oh, we should what? do those, obviously. Hypercube. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. So when I w- was like happy through the movie, and I was like, wow, there's like actual plot turns and like the physics makes sense, sort basically. Of. I think most, mo- yeah, well, Just okay. the moving the cubes, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the uh, characters has a heel turn. A what? A heel, like becomes the enemy. Oh yeah, and yeah he's yeah. a cop. Yeah, I mean Sorry, this I this movie is that. very anti-cop. They don't need was... cops in Canada. Everyone <laughs> 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 disobeys the law. And he's like, when the the cop is flipping out, he's like, "It's hell out there, baby." It's like, where where is it hell out there? <laughs> like yeah. we're in Canada, Saskatoon. We were in, like, <laughs> we were I in once saw a moose there once. Yeah, yeah like Nova Scotia. We were in Halifax for ten days, and the first cop we saw was in the airport leaving. 
<laughs> Time for me First to go cop on saw cop vacation. Was a moose wearing a cop uniform? <laughs> so he just assumed. So uh, Alan was in the middle of saying so. Yeah, two things. Uh, right. So, well, that was one thing. So the movie ended up seeming pretty good to me because my memory of it, which was a memory of a different movie, was so bad. And then the other thing was that when I was just starting the movie, Asher texted and was like, this movie is terrible. <laughs> so yeah, my thanks. expectations were really low. And then I was like, yeah, it's, this movie is pretty good. I feel like this movie is pretty good. It's and good if, you're, if your bar is this movie is terrible. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Had I gone into it like I think I watched it in college and I th- I remember thinking like oh this movie is not awful like it's kind of an interesting exploration of like some existentialist stuff and it echoes a bunch of other sort of much more famous existentialist texts mm-hmm. but yeah in rewatching it I was like oh, holy shit like yeah they don't have actors in Canada <laughs> I mean yeah Okay. Didn't, I mean, we can. We're going to get into all that. I. I no. None of you guys. I, mean, thought I, thought I don't agree. It, but I thought it was campy. But I not. thought it was Kafkaesque. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, and I thought for sure that this was going to tickle your funny bone, Sam. Because oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this seems it. like Wait, this is really? very much yeah. a film. Oh, I didn't movie. know that. Wait, this yeah. is one of your favorite movies? Yeah. It's like. I mean, I. You know, I like camp. Like the yeah. fact that it's. Not, Poorly acted. It has a lot of math yeah, to track for me. There's like a couple <laughs> of math a, things that piss me off. Math is front and center. Yeah, we, should, we need to talk about the yeah. math. But this is a very <laughs> called like film student movie because its storytelling is like so uh, like elemental and straight. It's like it's like a very easy to realize what has happened. Like the storytelling yeah. is like this is how yeah, you tell this story. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. fact, it's this super is duper tight. The easiest. You couldn't, you couldn't be more mm. minimalist in how the story proceeds, totally. right? Yeah. Well, and because the environment is minimalist, like yeah, I mean, if you want to break it down to sort of the fundamental thing, it follows like the Aristotelian idea of like uh, conservation of location. So like that's one of Aristotle talks about in Poetics of like if you want to raise dramatic tension, like lock down location and that's one of the ways that you can instill tension in a situation obviously yeah. this is a really good use mm-hmm. of that but in terms of but like literally and and uh visually like not only are they literally locked down but every room is the same yeah so they're moving around that's in air quotes but yeah but in it's the same setting yeah it's yeah right. and it's also because they couldn't afford to make multiple rooms of the key <laughs> Just right. different color lights yeah, yeah. Exactly. which is like if you think about it that way i mean if you think about it from the perspective of i feel like this was a pretty low budget movie yeah, um sure. like it's pretty creative i think what they did because they basically were able to say we can only we only need to build one set yeah and the whole movie and that's the whole movie you know it's um, sort of two sets because there's the exterior as well the, yeah. You mean the very end? No, like, well, okay, three sets. No, oh. the outside of the cubes. But isn't that just That's CGI, CGI, right? That's not real. Yeah, but they had to have at least the hole that the guy sticks his head out of. Yeah. It's the second set. Yeah, there's like, definitely there's a few different places that they had to shoot from, but I think for the most part, I think they had to construct a half of a second cube was what I read in researching this. Why? So that you could because shoot you could, from one cube yeah, looking, looking into, into the next cube. Yeah. Oh, right, obviously. So they like yeah. made a back wall to right, the other cube. Right. Or whatever. They should call this movie Two Cubes. <laughs> Cube <laughs> Two is uh, actually a movie. Do, how did they do the views through the floor? They would have had to do three. No, no, no. Huh? The, no, you just change the orientation of the camera. But I'm an idiot. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to Raf's point, like definitely. I made a point. Yeah, this movie. F- you nailed it. On top nice. of sort of having that perfect Aristotelian like location 
uh, conservation, it also does follow hardcore, like the film school, like act one. And then act two has three events. And it was, this was the easiest time I ever had breaking the plot down in Mm -hmm. my notes as we were watching it, where I was like, Oh, there's like seven events that happen that define this movie. They're not clouded by anything. Right. And each one of them changes the story in a pretty significant way. Yeah. Yeah. It's also exactly 90 minutes. Yeah. Which I love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So actually you changed my mind. This movie is great. Significant. Yeah, I think that you if if someone asked me like is this movie good I'd say great story, great uh concept, great premise, uh dog shit acting. So, you know, <laughs> but I just felt like I got used to the acting. Like when it first started, I was like, "Oh my god." But it got worse. And <laughs> but, but it I, gets I got worse used to it. Like after I don't know. Gets like hammier. the vibe of this movie is just yeah, it's low budget and you just sort of accept it. For me, I just sort of accepted it after a while. It's also, hard to have I I I don't know. Do you guys think it's hard to have good acting if you just if it's a low budget movie? Like it's just sort of like the I, direction and, and the editing afford, are just not yeah. going to make the actors look good, even if they are good. And you can't pay the best actors, maybe. Well, but not even that. Like even if you had good actors, I just I don't know. I don't there's, know. Yeah, there's a lot of actors out there. Yeah, there's I'm a sure lot there's of good <laughs> actors out there. Like I even, get some like stage people. I don't know what I mean. No, but I, I'm I just saying like these fucking people. I'm just saying like even if you have good actors, I just feel like if if the direction's not good and the and maybe the editing's not good, it's still not going to look good. I don't know anything. No, I mean <laughs> you're you're right. I but the movie does look good. At least it looks like a movie. Which like right. that I was pretty impressive. Directed properly, like as you said, Asher, like the, everything kind of unrolls in a neat package. Like it does. There are no points where you're like, "Wait, what just happened?" Like I don't understand what's happening in this movie. I think there right. are some choices that they make. The director makes, who, by the way, is Vincent Natale. Um, he hasn't uh, really yes. done anything else. I know he went on to a storied career remaking Death Race two thousand. Not true. I, the fact that this movie got made is even like a, like a miracle, but it's like a testament to how the 90s, they'd be like, oh, sure, like movies make money now. So like, yeah, like, oh, you have an idea for some bullshit? Like, okay, cool. Here's, it, I think it costs 350000 to make, which is nothing. Really? I know, especially considering that this is in an age when you had to use film to shoot. Right, and like, there's CG also. Yeah, and there's CG. Mm-hmm. To Point sort made. of say that like the direction of this movie is lousy also like i think that the director directs the actors really poorly like there's a that's what i mean yeah Yeah. i think you're right in that because like i think like there's the mentally handicapped guy who like who is directing him kazam not kazam Kazam. yeah no not kazam (laughs) it's It's, gotta be kazan right like kazan is not a name no it's Everybody in this movie, are you ready oh, you for this? Want you you want to know why the names. character names are named the yes. way they are? Thank you. I noticed something, but I forgot to look it up. It's really fucking stupid. Levin and Worth. Yeah, you okay, knew yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, you got it. And uh, oh, they're, you, someone's they're Gola or something. Yeah, Gola. Or, um, here, here the names name. are Rene, Worth, Quentin, Ren. Holloway. San Quentin. Uh, Levin and Kazan. I figured Levin and Worth was like maybe a reference. Leavenworth, and, and yeah, for and Quentin for San Quentin. I don't know the other ones. Um, Holloway is a really bad prison in. So all the characters are named after prisons. R- Ren. Yeah, Ren is a prison in France. Oh, okay. Holloway is a prison in the UK, mm-hmm. and Kazan is a prison in Russia. Well, that's interesting. So the implication oh. being that they're they all did something wrong. It's not just like yeah. a test or a weird experiment. Or it's like a maybe sentence. it's maybe it's alluding to our existence as imprisonment. Yeah. Okay. Michel Foucault. 
Or also, it could just be that they were like heavy-handed idiots writing this movie. And they read some Foucault first. Should we break the plot down of this thing? Because, again, this was the easiest fucking breakdown I've ever had to like, uh, well, let's see if I succeed in doing it. Yeah. So, uh, basically, for for listeners who haven't seen the movie, it's focused around uh, six people who wake up. I mean, I guess it's six. They gain and and lose people who wake up in this mysterious cube prison. They don't know how they got there. They can't remember. They all remember, like, going to sleep. I think they all remember going to sleep, basically. And then they wake up at this place. None of them remember being captured. Right. They all remember just being in the middle of their lives. Right. Yeah. Um... And so we have five people that we meet. So there's there's Ren or Rene. It's, um, it's Ren, who's an escape artist. Worth, who's like an office worker guy. We later find out more about his character. Mm-hmm. And he's, I guess, like an architect or an architectural designer. Uh, Quentin, who's a police officer. Levin, who's a math student, which like... Quentin, I believed, was a cop. I was like, this guy's a fucking lunatic threatening to murder people. Like, yeah, of course he's in law enforcement. I, in what fucking world is is Levin? She's like the sex interest well, in the movie. She's like a high schooler, yeah, right? I, I got the feeling she was like in her senior year of high school or something. Or or younger. Even. No. Yeah. She's yeah, an adult. They, no, she specifically no. says that she's in a high school student. No, no, she, she says she's a university student. No. Oh, does she? Yeah, she definitely I does. You. <laughs> Let's check the record. Oh, God. God. Um, Do I get points if you're wrong? And then there's Holloway, who is a doctor. And along the way, they pick up this guy who is presented as being on the autism spectrum, but it's kind of unclear what's up with him because he sort of, his character shifts where he says things that are like useful and relevant to the situation. And then sometimes he like doesn't understand yeah. what's going He's on. Conveniently to the plot as cognizant or not cognizant as they need him to be. Yeah. yeah and his name is Kazan and they're and he all shows up a bit later. Yeah. That's, they pick him up along the way. Rene dies immediately, pretty much. Ren dies immediately, right? Yeah. So, you know, they fight for a little while about, like, what the fuck should we do? Wait, wait. Let's explain how he dies, right? Like, that these... They're they're in a cube, and they're trying to... And then when they... The cube just has six doors, uh, you know, one on each side. And when they go through any door, they just go into another cube. So they're in some endless maze of cubes... And they're trying to escape, but some of the cubes are booby trapped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And brutally different, so. Different kinds of booby traps. In yeah. fact, there's a cold open to this movie of somebody dying via getting like chopped into a million pieces yeah. in one of the cubes. Which I, I kind of like. Pretty too. similar to that scene in Resident Evil. That, there's a movie where someone like, you know, uses their awesome blade skills to like slice somebody <laughs> and like half their body falls off. You're thinking of Johnny like, Mnemonic. Kill Bill, right? Kill oh, Bill. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny yeah, Mnemonic. Laser whip thing. Yeah. Is everything about? Or Kill Bill. Which again. Or that art yeah. exhibit that got the Brooklyn Museum closed in the 90s. Sense it. Yeah, Damien Hurst's like Damien hard Hurst. on nightmare. I fucking love Ugh. Damien Hurst's art. Of course you do. It's the Elvis <laughs> principle. It's the Elvis principle? What? Yeah. 50 million Elvis 50 million, fans can't be 50 wrong. 50 million. I'm like half-witted fucking <laughs> shark creeps couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be couldn't be wrong. I don't yeah. know. I mean, fucking capitalistic art world vultures <laughs> who view this as an investment can't be wrong. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't know. I did you guys see the Great White Shark when it was on display at the Met for like a year or two? 
Yes. Are we talking about the same exhibit now? No, 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 no. This is years later. This was like maybe six or seven years ago. Damien Hirst's Great White Shark in like this steel tank was on display at the Met. I thought it was legitimately terrifying. I mean, I guess it's not really a work of art per se. It's more... How not? Well, because like what the fuck did he do? He didn't design the shark. He just put it in a in a glass cube. So photography yeah, man. is an art. I he mean, didn't take like a picture so, of it. The cube was so there. So what you're saying is photography is So Duchamp is an art? We can have an argument about this. <laughs> Wait, you were just shitting on him. Yeah, but he sucks because it's it's it it's. Doesn't mean it's not art. Because he's you know he's uh, recycling and retreading what's come before him and sensationalizing it, in, only in to the ends of creating something and generating enough buzz around it to make him money. Like he's like he's a showman. He's a P.T. Barnum. I mean, which is like cool in its own right, but I mean this is like. It's really shallow. I mean, it's just oh. there's really nothing to this. I mean, that's just the art world. It's powerfully world shallow, world. but I think there's something about the scale on which he does the things that he does that's kind of impressive, in a way. Like it does take some kind of focus, some kind of planning, and a lot of work to like make that asshole with the drapings. Yeah, actually, exactly. I think Christo is quite brilliant. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're wrong. Are you fucking kidding me? Did you guys you see come the down gates? On, you come down on Cristo? And you guys, did you see no, the I'm, gates I mean, in Central Park? They were it's, amazing. No, I it. they were terrible. They were so beautiful. We're going to cut this all. This is going to our Patreon. Like no, our fired. <laughs> like, Robot House Plus listeners get to hear us argue about Damien Hurst. <laughs> Cristo. How do we get on this? Whatever. Okay, cool. What so is, what are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> Why are this? I mean, that was how I felt when I was watching this movie. I was like, this movie is fucking garbage. I am getting so less good. smart every second that I'm spending in front of it. Fuck me for like asking us to watch this movie. What What is wrong with me? <laughs> I wanted me? to know who would make it to the end. Cause someone had to, right? And the, okay, and uh, right, yeah, yeah. And, like it was like it was like a reality show. It's like which which one is going to survive? Yeah, Actually, I thought it was going to be two people who were going to survive. I thought it was going to be. Uh, Kazan and um, Levin. Levin, yeah. the the, the, the mathematician. mathematician. No, it was girl. set up that way. Yeah. yeah, that was a good turn. You know. Well, you here, let's to see him again. Let's <laughs> ha. We're gonna break the plot down so that listeners don't have to fucking watch this movie. They can just listen to us talk but, about it. But and do watch it. <laughs> I I'd give it a fifty fifty. Like if you love, I, I feel wrong. like this is what's like the reason people hate sci fi is this movie. It adds zero to like your kind of understanding of the world it's imaginative sort of but it doesn't really do anything with its imaginativeness it's just empty says the guy who likes Christo. so they immediately discover that one of the other prisoners is actually a famous prison escape artist which like again in like the heavy-handed this movie Mm -hmm. is idiotic it's like let's introduce like the most famous escape artist of all time and then like he immediately dies yeah, of everyone acid knows in the face. The stakes could not be higher. The single guy who is best at doing this just right. failed. Yeah. And and yet he gives them a system that works. That's yeah. a good point. Well yeah. her and Levin. Him and Levin. Yeah. So everybody pitches in except for <laughs> Quentin who just yells. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and like who does regular cop things. <laughs> yelling violence murder um yeah so uh, lying about murder <laughs> yeah 40 percent of the time to engaging in domestic violence <laughs> yeah he definitely cops yeah. to engaging in domestic violence yeah. well, um yes. so then pretty quickly after ren dies they discover that these numbers that are etched into the panels on the cube when you open the door to the next cube uh the, Levin, the mathematician, which like has there ever been a character who I less believe is a mathematician? 
not touching Hasley? that. Yeah. No, I, I, no, but I, I agree. You guys well, are mathematicians. What do mathematicians look like? Eleven. I mean, it was I'm just sort of like she was introduced really as like I'm just a girl who goes to school and lives with her parents. Yeah. Oh wait, I'm putting on my glasses. Now I'm a no, math I'm genius, math guys. It's fucking on. Now, and then now, and then for the rest of the movie, she's presented as like the math genius, and she does like um, and then she's like doing these calculations <laughs> like on a thing with, with like her plastic button. <laughs> yeah, with what? her plastic button. She's etching them into the, yeah, the metal on the plastic. side of the wall. We don't know it was plastic. That's fair. Could yeah, I feel like, I think it was actually metal. But could have I mean, been. They had to be, otherwise, how'd she do that? I think exactly. we should pick apart all the inconsistencies. In <laughs> yeah, this is this is my favorite. No, but it's just funny because she starts off as like torture I'm, machine. Like I'm nobody. I just live with my parents, and then she becomes like the most stereotypical like caricature of like a nerd in a sci-fi movie, like the one who right. who figures everything who out. You want me to hack the planet? The target of this movie. <laughs> you want me to like hack the, the target cube? audience? Right. right. <laughs> so, so it's in some ways maybe it's a hero fan. The only glasses wearer here, sorry, is Alan. What did you think of her <laughs> glasses? But they fly or <laughs> whack? They're very Korean. I feel like they're oh. in those types of glasses are in, in Korea right now. Okay. Yeah. Right I mean, now. yeah. For listeners of the show, her glasses look like something that one of the guys from Boys to Men wears. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like serious '90s movie vibe. Nineteen ninety-seven. Right. No, they were different, but it's Canada, so so like you know, nineteen ninety-three in American coolness. That makes sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what what do I have in my notes here? So she discovers the prime number system. And then they she bump discovers into, prime numbers. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Actually, oh my god, the doors are are navigatable by which one has prime numbers. You know, yeah, there's that numbers. Remind, you know what that reminded me of? Alan, sorry, we can cut this, but Alan told a story once when he went to he went to Taipei. He's like, they are literally twenty years behind in fashion, which means everyone there looks fly as fuck. <laughs> like, it's just like a complete accident. But everyone looks really cool because they're so far behind. I wonder if that's still true. I think, they're, I think they're ahead of us in fashion now. Well, yeah, oh, because but it's hard to tell the difference between being way behind and being like a couple years ahead. Okay. I know. I just <laughs> want to say the thing with the numbers is that by every door, there's a set of three numbers that are each three digits. And what she figures out is that if one of those numbers is prime, that means that the room is booby trapped. So they don't go in. They they can't go into it. Which until her system fails. Well, until right. they find. A room with no prime numbers in it, right? Yeah, and it's still trapped. And That's then right. She figures out, and this part makes sense. She figures out that it's primes or powers of a single. No, prime. no, no. But in between that, she figures out that the numbers represent Cartesian coordinates, also, right? For a yeah. three-dimensional. Yeah. Okay. But if they keep changing, how are they the right numbers? Well, yeah. Then did did did, did we all watch this movie? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you just oh. It's because, okay, this always happens to me because, like, the math is the part of the movie that I care about the most. <laughs> so I, like, absorb every little tidbit, and everybody else watching the movie is like, wait, I don't understand. That was incomprehensible to me. Yeah. So she says that uh, that her numbering system is weird, she figures out at some point. Oh, because they went through a room with the 27 in it, and right. it wasn't on the edge of the cube. Because they, they figure out it. at some point that there are only 26 cubes, which... We haven't 26 gone, on we, the side, yeah. Well, the, and the uh, reason that they side, figure yeah. out that there's 26 on each side is because it turns out that one of the five people or six people that they're with, I guess it's worth. six, yeah, worth, was worked on designing the cube. Which, like, I think you kind of the know that. The, the shell. The, shell of, the yeah. shell of the cube or the sarcophagus, as he calls it. Right. Which you kind of know from the jump, is it's got to be one of them. 
right? right. Like that yeah. somebody in their group has to know more about the circumstances. Than, right. You mean narratively? Yeah. That's. Yeah. It's just like unless they encounter someone else, that's the only place that there's room for narrative motion in the story. So, anyway, but yeah, right. yeah. The point I was making is just that at some point they tell you that the cubes move and there are multiple ways of extracting coordinates from the sets of numbers. Mm-hmm. And the one where you just add the digits is the first position, the original position of the room. So what are the other ways of... They're a little sketchy on that. At one point, she <laughs> says something about subtracting. She spends like, it seems I like really an hour or two of movie time, like scribbling on the floor. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I thought about it a lot last night, weirdly, and uh, I couldn't come up with any good explanations for how that works. But there's some way that... It's like in movies when you know the nerd character like goes clickety clack on the keyboard and like it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, this mo- this movie has a lot of deduction, which is like kind of cool. When they're like, okay, we know how big the outer shell is, and we know how big the cube is, so we can figure out how many cubes there are. It's like okay, I can appreciate you're yeah, doing. No, you're doing no. That. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that was some interesting. She stuff. figures out that like they're in a room that had one next to it before, and that's how they realize that the cubes are moving around. Don't they go? They they end up in like the same room again, right? Yeah, yeah they end up in the same no room again. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And and but the orientation of the rooms has changed, right? Around it's on the edge now. Yeah. yeah, they find out that worth designed the sarcophagus or the outer shell of the cube a little bit before that but that's it's sort of i mean the movie you can literally break down to like nine points it's like ren dies they discover the system by which they can go through the whole place then they bump into kazan then they find out that worth built the outside and then quentin kills holloway which like that was a fucking terrifying once they get to the edge yeah once they get to the edge and they sort of formulate a system by which you know, oh, we can escape if we just get to this place, which like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. If it were me, I would have gone to the bottom. Like that would be my primary objective. Yeah. Because I once think once you get outside of the cube. Yeah. 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 I want to be trapped in a cube with you, baby. <laughs> but climbing down is kind of hard. It's harder. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's even harder to fall. But yeah, the, the, cu- the mega cube like prison that they're in is somehow there's somehow space between it and the outer shell. Right. And so for the cubes to move around. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this that like doesn't make any sense and there's no point in like kind of digging into it, but can we just, because they also know there's only one door. Well, yeah, which is so stupid. And and how do they know that there's only one door? Because worth built the shell. Oh, right. Yeah. Worth knows there's only one, but he doesn't know where it is. He goes, the door guy. It's in the middle. It's in the middle of one face. Oh, we said it's in the middle. Yeah. So many things I didn't catch. Well, and see, and that's to me, that was sort of the interesting part of this movie. And that was the part of this movie that was actually kind of prescient and, and worthwhile was when Worth reveals that he's the guy who designed or he was part of the people who designed the outer exterior of this cube. And there's a whole like a Holloway who's a doctor and we haven't really talked about her, but it doesn't really matter. One of the characters is a doctor and she goes on this rant about like how everything's a conspiracy and this was built by aliens. And she's right. Well, almost right. Almost right. But then Worth, I think, sums it up in such a smarter way. And we talk about conspiracy on the show a lot. I mean, yeah, that conversation we had reminded me of like Worth's opinion reminded me of your opinion. Yeah, because yeah. he fucking sums it all up. He's basically just like, there is no conspiracy. Like some people started building something because they have money and they have to have something to build. Otherwise, they have no excuse for taking our money. And then those people get fired and replaced by some other people who can't remember, but they're too embarrassed to get rid of the thing that those other people were working on. 
And so you just keep adding on to the thing and you get this monster cube. And I was like, wow, this is a perfect metaphor for the war in Iraq. And then they put people in there because they don't want to admit that that it was built for no reason. They don't know (laughs) why it's there. It reminded me a lot of the trial. That's like why I mm-hmm. think it's yeah. Kafkaesque. It's like in the trial, he gets arrested for a crime that he's not even sure what the crime is. No, they and don't he tell just him, goes yeah. through endless bureaucracy who just seem to be going through the motions of a system that they're not even sure why it exists. It seems very similar. It's interesting because for me, this is like this really pit, uh, sort of positions itself sort of against a lot of like dystopian aspects of sci-fi yeah like where the idea of a dystopia is that there are actors and there are people who are doing the bad thing and that there are protagonists who resist that like these people are not the winston smiths they're not the last last man in europe it's interesting that this seems to touch on the idea which Kant touches on the trial that there's like um sorry sorry (laughs) kafka yeah not Kant. But yeah, so I, I would want to get into that. Actually, yeah, where it's just like the system just seems to, it, it, you know, it's a it's a panopticon to sort of borrow from Foucault and it, it runs on its own. Just an accident of the way we set up our existence in this type of society we have is that there's just this, like this incredibly brutal, incredibly heartless, incredibly punishing way of being that is not anybody doing anything specifically. There's no actor who's forcing this to come to pass. It's just, there's no, there's no evil that can be removed. So it's like, it's even bleaker. But it's not that there's no evil. It's that there's no evil actor. There's no evil actor, right. There's no intelligence or intent. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that, I think another idea that they add here is sort of the idea that everyone is just sort of working on their own little part. Yeah. And so they're not even all kind of aware of the whole thing and they don't really care because they're at the end of the day they're getting a paycheck. Like that's what no worse. one cares. Right. All right. the way up and down the chain. Right. right. And that's what that's what worse situation is, right? Like he builds the shell, he doesn't know what the shell is for. Or he built the shell, he doesn't know what the shell is for. And he doesn't ask, right? Yeah, I mean the the indictment is total. I I mean we're just we're all every one of us is complicit in this in some form or function. Um yeah, I think it's interesting because like we have a tendency uh, to locate um, when we when we think of like evil coming down from on high, we have a tendency to locate it in in these individual outside evil actors, and so we could get people who are like, oh, you know, the Illuminati or chemtrails or like, you know, vaccines will you know make you more effeminate, and they're trying to eradicate the white race through effeminization and 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 you know whatever that one's I true. <laughs> I, mean, it's true. I mean whatever they happen to be right about that one but <laughs> it's born out of this kind of like paranoia and the paranoia centers on this idea that there's you know that that, that there's a story like that, that this involves yeah. a story that can be told where there is a bad guy and that there's a good guy in opposition to that one really just is like the fact of how things are is just so much worse. And every time I like run to conspiracy theories, like people throw these things out, these like wild conspiracy theories. So I just want to be like, no, the truth is actually just much worse than that. Cause there isn't anybody, there isn't like one or two bad, bad dudes who are making this happen. It's like a humongous fucking accident of people who are just self-interested and self-motivated making this work. Millions. Yeah, well, I think at the core of it, and, and it's interesting because this is the place that this movie diverges from existentialism. And I just really quickly wanted to touch on the fact that it it has two roots in two pretty famous-ish texts that are related to existentialism, other than the trial, which obviously is a pretty huge benchmark of, of the sort of literature about yeah. existentialism. Um, but one is No Exit by Beckett, 
right? And that's a, a play about people who are trapped in a single location. And the other is an episode of The Twilight Zone called uh, Six Characters Searching for an Exit. If right. you guys ever saw that cool. one. No, I haven't seen it. About five people in different costumes. Isn't no exit Jean-Paul Sartre? Oh, is it? Fuck. I don't think it was. It's okay. <laughs> I meant to do my research so, on okay, that. Okay, so I just... Idiot. No, you guys pay attention to the math. I pay attention <laughs> to the philosophy. So when they say stuff like the will to live, when I, I, I locate that and that is actually... Well, the bell that rung for me was Arthur Schopenhauer, because he wrote uh, "The World as Idea and Will," and actually, there was like, there's definitely some kind of echo in this movie of that work. Like he talks about basically it. The idea is that we would sort of see it as just like very run of the mill kind of pessimism and cynicism about the state of the world, which is to say, he believes that everything is motivated not really by not by reason, not by intellect, but by the will. And this goes, you know, throughout the chain of nature, like from like rocks and minerals and plants up to you know through the lower order of animals to human beings. We are we are motivated by the will, and the intellect is an outgrowth of the will and that it's all to, for him it's all about like we are these animals who are just compelled through our will to satisfy desires and what that produces is a state of of misery for the most part that can only be gotten out of through philosophy incidentally hmm. and also schopenhauer <laughs> schopenhauer is like he's i don't think he's very red because he's like actually one of the most misogynistic philosophers mm-hmm. I, i've ever read and that's it's really <laughs> there's it's a lot a there's some pretty, it's a high hurdle to clear but he clears it so he thinks of um you know the intellect as the mother and the will as the father so i sort of saw that like between levin and quentin there was some of that like quentin represented the will levin represented the intellect um but interestingly i'm thinking also was this reminded me of like the situation in which schopenhauer wrote which is after um 1915 it was after napoleon so like it was 18 sorry 1815 i'm having trouble today i'm sick yeah rap is like (laughs) pretty fucking lit on cough syrup (laughs) right (laughs) which like (laughs) so you know the the enlightenment had been you know the 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 lie had been put to the promise of of enlightenment like the revolution the total remaking of society ends with a dictator that that began in 17 i sort of 1789 um, ends with not just a dictator, but just like a complete disillusionment um, uh, w- with Napoleon, the revolution, and with this idea of, of the Enlightenment remaking society, and we're back to the old order, and the, the you know monarch is back on the throne in France, and everything's just like worse than it was before. And so he's like pretty hard-bitten and cynical about this, and he's just like, uh, there is no, you know, the intellect can't do anything, uh, you know, the revolution failed and this is just like, you know, this is this horrible, uh, the reason we're at this because nature is where this point is because nature is chaotic. Um, and, and the will is too strong. And the will is too strong, well, which in a, in a weird echo of that in 1997 is that we're at the end of history. So we have this right. struggle between the, the, the Antipodean powers, you know, the, the United States, capitalism, communism, USSR in the US and then something similar. It's like, um, you know it dissolved we, we won and, no, and it's well, no, no we didn't yeah exactly so like this is the end of a conflict with two sides and somehow everything is still terrible we're still trapped like we're still in this uh terrible existential state of basically being imprisoned and it's just because the society we built up around ourselves can't deliver anything close to happiness it just it's just yeah, it lines deliver misery the way misery lines. is what it does yeah so yeah, yeah. That's, it all, that's all I got to say about this. 
but yeah, Sartre yeah, too. Well, no, and and so, but I think <laughs> again, in the way that it, I don't know, I I had a thought about the way that it diverges from, uh, but I lost it. I, from the trial, the way that it diverges just oh, sort of from, from like the central no ideas of of existentialism. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's like the the dark mirror kind of like oh everything is shitty and we have no control and therefore fuck it. Like we're all fucked and going to die. Yeah, and that's Worth's <laughs> point of view like, on it, right? I mean the yeah. whole movie he's just like let's just chill here and starve. Like which I don't know, that bothered me immensely because I was like at the very least well, he like he was right. Well for himself, I mean He wasn't right. He wasn't right. He wasn't right because they do make it out. And similarly, Quentin wasn't right, right because if he hadn't been such a fucking asshole, he would have made it out too, right? So like, He was right because they didn't need to move. Oh, he was right that, because they didn't need to move. Yeah. yeah. But he yeah. wasn't right that there was no hope. Like, he, he didn't say yeah. we don't need to move because we'll get out eventually. Yeah, He said that's he, true. we don't need to move because it's the end. We're all done. Right. Right. So, yeah, um, and so ultimately, think, let me just oh, say, yeah, I no, think please. that that attitude is largely a result of what you're talking about, Raph. Like, I think in, I remember that feeling in the '90s that like we're we're just fucked. Like, you know, th- like corporatism just has run over. Maybe you guys didn't feel this way, but that's how it felt to me. It was like the yuppies have won, and we're all screwed, and there's no point in doing anything. No, you were av- you were uh, avant yeah, you were avant guard on that, in that respect. Okay, yeah, cool. that shit like, didn't I, hit me I, too. Yeah, I I came to meet you at that point in nihilism much much later after voting for Hillary Clinton in two but, primaries. But, <laughs> right. you know, here here we are. No, but yeah, but I felt I'm that way like, in 2008. Because that's that was what my... I was like obsessed with the literature you guys were talking about in high school, like existentialism and stuff. Because it got me out of that funk. It told me like, well, yeah, everything is shitty and chaotic, but still beautiful. Like there's still meaning in the world, even if it's senseless or incomprehensible, you know? Anyway, that's what Beckett says to me. But this, this movie is like, no, like actually the truth is no one can handle the reality that they're in. And so the only one that's going to survive is the one that has no... You know, oh, that's interesting. No, like uh, trappings. No, no, uh, no attachment with his ego. Yeah, which uh, you know is that's not I, the, yeah, the wokest I, take. It, I couldn't really understand why it was Kazan who was the one who got who got through, and well, it just sort of seemed like, oh, he's the innocent, so of course. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So to sew it to the plot, basically, uh, Levin figures out the system, and they all get through, and they realize that Kazan is a uh, like a savant. Num- yeah, he's number a savant. savant. Yeah. And they get to the final room, and right before they get to the door, uh, Quentin, who they've had to kind of keep locked away from them. Because he's gone crazy. Because he's gone crazy and tried to murder them, and they realize that he murdered Holloway, um, breaks into the room and kills Levin and Worth. Uh, and Well, no. Kills Levin, stabs Worth. And then Worth kills him. And dies. And dies. <laughs> and then... Worth kills him gruesomely by like holding on to him while the cubes are moving. So yeah. Quentin got gets like chopped cut, cut in half. Yeah, because so he yeah. he's like he gets chopped cheese sticking out of a, a door. Yeah, in the halfway out of, out of a door. Two, the gore yeah. in this is kind of I don't know. It could have done. I think they could have taken it out. Well, and it's interesting yeah. cinematically. It presages like a lot of torture porn, but it has a lot of yeah. the you know the similar. Uh, like yeah, it has a lot of the similar for like uh for uh, what can am you I imagine? That there's probably another. There's like a, an alternate universe podcast of this one, 
where it's like a bunch of meatheads who are like reviewing torture porn movies. They're like, is this one's a deep cut. You got to see it. it. It doesn't have that much gore in it. Uh, it's got a little bit of gore, but you can tell it's like where the better, the, the golden age of gore came from. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's accurate in, in both, you know, both ways that you mean it. Well, and it's kind of interesting. It's an actual, accurate parody I didn't mean it anyway. and they're right. The meathead that you just invented oh, the meat- is also right. <laughs> the meathead. Yeah. Well, also, like, because the Saw movies, I, and again, I haven't really watched them because why would I fucking waste my time? Um, they do kind of right. mirror uh, Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, right? Like, I mean, that's really what those movies are about is like, you did something bad outside, the system couldn't accommodate a way to punish your badness. So this guy has locked you in this cell and like you're not actually going to get out. And that's immediately the question that these characters ask themselves. And, and often the question that any character asks themselves in like an existential nightmare book, movie, play is like, what did I do to end up here? Right. Which is super like Calvinist to me. Like it's just, it's just like something that's in our bones of like yeah. something bad is happening. Therefore, what I, I must have fucked this? up. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, I didn't think that they spent enough time interrogating that. Uh, I mean, again, I'm asking too much of the movie Cube, but, uh, you know. I think this is all explained in Hypercube. <laughs> it's Cube Zero. I have a round table if you guys want to do it. Yeah, please. Wait, wait. I don't know. I mean, oh, we could talk about the physics some more. No, it's just like this movie paralleling CIA black sites. Like everything about this movie also just like Yeah, you hyped up some of your takes on this. Yeah, what are you talking about? Well with? no, I just I just in watching this movie, okay, because the Washington Post just had that report on the war in Afghanistan and about how it's been absolutely unwinnable from day one and every year whoever is in charge of it sends another fucking report that's like, Hey, this war is unwinnable. Please don't send more troops, but also don't tell anyone that I'm the one who said it. Mm-hmm. And it's like when Worth gave his speech about like you know, one guy, basically there's two motivating factors. Either you want money or you don't want to be embarrassed for having done nothing for a ton of money, right? Like that, that's it. Those are the two motivating factors. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's exactly why we're still in Afghanistan fucking 20 years later. Boondoggle is a good word. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a quagmire. It's a nightmare. So that and then the other thing was like the the sort of like unprecedented military buildup because one of the characters says at some point like military industrial complex yeah and it's like there's no way that anyone has the money to build something like this unless they are the military and i was like oh yeah the military industrial complex and unless you are the military industrial complex it's, it's funny because like I have heard people refer to it that way as if it were an entity, you know, rather <laughs> you than you know just, that the word complex, you just said that word, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, complex. I don't think people know what that means. Oh, so, okay. yes, she was made to look foolish, I think intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, she was made to look foolish, but like the points that they all kind of make, liberals. I thought were, were pretty cogent and interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I and, appreciated like Quentin, uh, I don't know. I'm not He's as much of guy. a cop hater as you guys are, I feel like. But Wait, don't put words in my mouth. I did like Wait. the kind of I think it was a more it was an interesting take, like a more nuanced take and something that I could see like a veteran cop really being like of like I can see through everyone. Like right. everyone I can I am I'm, I'm like an X ray for these that's people. Why I hate cops. You know, like I just I know what everybody's up to. Yes. Like I thought that was an interesting and, yeah. and he's wrong. 
Yeah, and he's wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and actually, of all of the garbage acting in this movie, I thought Quentin's, like, descent into insanity was actually kind of fun to watch. I mean, he's super yeah. campy. No, it's great. Yeah. I feel like it's probably an easier role to play, though. Like, the more the more over-the-top a character is, the maybe the less nuanced you have to be. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an actor. Not an actor. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but Raph, you said you had a roundtable. Okay, so. Oh, wait, I had two points I wanted to make. Oh, no, I actually did want to say one thing. (laughs) Okay, come on. The the Wikipedia article for this movie mentions as a C also the Library of Babel. Do you guys know about the Library of Babel? The short story by Borges? Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't read it. Okay, the premise is basically it's an Mm. infinite library, like with, with every potential arrangement of characters as a book. And so the the conclusion is that like every book exists in that library. Every book that could ever be written or ever has been written is there somewhere. You just have to find it. Groovy. But like the vast majority, shockingly vast, if you run the numbers of those books would be gibberish because it's just every random combination of letters that could exist in a book. Right. So what does that have to do with this movie? I don't know. That was my question. <laughs> yes. Like the, the, the only parallel I can see is that in, in that story, the rooms have six walls. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess <laughs> there's a parallel. Yeah, I guess. I don't know why they put it on the Wikipedia page. Of being like sort of stuck in an incomprehensible right. place. Well, yeah, there like, is kind of initially, well, I don't know. It's just like the philosophical spaces. thing about the Library of Babel is, doesn't really seem applicable to this movie yeah, at all. Not really. So. I mean, it's yeah. sort of like an, an imaginarium, like a a place that like to- oh, totally outside of reality that functions with its right. own set of rules. Sure. Seems yeah. like a pretty weak link to me. You could say that about like Middle Earth or <laughs> Epstein <laughs> Island. <laughs> I mean, also, or Jack. I feel like feel like it's still not that related, but initially you're you're not really sure what's going on, so you think maybe there could be an infinite number of of cubes. Like they could right. be stuck in some infinite, you know, space of cubes and yeah. each cube and there could then there could be an infinite number of booby traps in each of these cubes or something because maybe it's not yeah. even like a maybe they're not even in the physical plane or something. I don't Except know. Except a numbering system would <laughs> make that not possible. Maybe the booby traps were inside of them the entire time. <laughs> wow! Actually, they were. That's they probably, were. That's part of the story. <laughs> yeah. So what's your time uh, for my round table? Yeah. Do we have what's like a your, sound effect that goes for this? I'm gonna do one. Burr, burr, burr. All right, what's, so wait. What's the sound of a round <laughs> the fog horn is on every sound. No, no, no. I mean, I'll put a real. All right. <laughs> it's, wait, it's been a while since we've done a roundtable. So, Raph, what's your roundtable? Okay, it's very simple. Which character from this movie would you be? Because these are meant to be every people, every man, every woman stand-ins. Mm. Which character would you be? Like, keep which, in mind, car- which keep character would I want to be or which character would I end up being are you it doesn't am i either way you can answer either way and you can explain it either way Hmm. i think i want to be the guy who dies at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) what mr mr ham salad like he's just dead he wakes up and that's it he like stands up and he's like gets cut into pieces you know kind of just like minding his own business he's like oh i'm in a fucking cube prison well, nope. <laughs> it seems like his experience was less. I'm horrific. a Russian salad. Yeah. Hang on to to ah. dig more into that because I think it's that there's a, there's like a like a meta question within that that's actually useful to this podcast, and I've thought about a fair amount, which is essentially that the people who end up in the cube represent in some way the landing party. 
right? You have your six essential people to suss out. Landing party? Yeah, that's like a term that you would use. Okay. I mean, I think it's a Star Trek reference for like when they land on a planet, you need, you know, an engineer, a doctor, uh, whatever Spock is, and a captain. The smart guy, the engineer. Well, yeah, they say that initially that like they, they figure they're all there for a reason. They all specific roles to fill in... Maybe they're yeah, escaping. I have trouble exactly. with that plot point. So I, I always wonder that about, I mean, let's just say, like, which, what role in the landing party do you play? So, like, who in this movie are you? But more globally, like, what role do you play in the landing party? Because I, I think about that all the time. Spock. Alan is Spock, Sam. You can't both be Spock? No, you guys. Okay, I'll be Bones. Really? I'm, I get a strong Scotty vibe from you. <laughs> okay. I'm all right with that. I, I just, I mean. Early Scott. Well, if anybody is going to be. I was going to say, I want to be the fat Celt. <laughs> I forgot his name. Scotty. No, it's just like, if anybody <laughs> is going to be in engineering, it's it's you, Sam. No? Yeah, or Alan. Or Alan? No. Alan. No, no. Anyway, yeah. That's right. I think I'm probably Levin. I don't know. So, wait. Then who does that make me? You could be the same one. We could both be Levin. Yeah, I could see you both being Levin in this. But in the landing party, you see yourself as the engineer, or I see you as the engineer, Sam. Where do you see yourself? I think I see myself as like the guy back on the ship. Piggybacking on my round table. I'm sorry. And you totally perverted it also. That wasn't the question. Yeah, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the question. I'm sorry. Who would you be, Ref? I think I'd be Quentin. Not that I want to be, but I just think, just think realistically, that would be your that's how things would transpire. You, yeah. you would go nuts and kill, try to kill us all. Probably, I, I might be. I might actually being honest with you guys. I might actually be the what's her name, the liberal. Yeah, I I thought that that's Holloway? who I would Dr. be. Holloway. Yeah, Doctor Holloway. I might be the one like losing, yelling. Yeah, like, it's like you yeah. don't understand. Yeah, Rand Corporation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Council of Relations. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. This is Davos in a cube. <laughs> Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, he would build that. Elon he Musk, would build yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Elon, Elon Musk, Musk is build like, cube. He's like <laughs> smoking weed right now and being like, "So I'm gonna have a raffle for the people who are gonna get in my hypercube." Is he Australian? Has a cube. No, he's that's South African. Insane. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that sounded South. Australian. Yeah. Should we throw it to endorsements? Yeah, why not? Cool. All right. Uh, I'm going to Elon. I'm going to endorse Elon Musk. <laughs> Just got it. R- rubber panties. <laughs> Spatial South African rubber panties. You're in immersion technology. Uh, I want to endorse the OA. Um, oh, yeah? I know that speaking of getting bad publicity, like a lot of weirdos were really upset when it got canceled. Yeah. Um, whenever that was, several months ago, a year ago. Um, that show is really good. It's the first really season's a, great. I got bored in the second season. I did not. I thought the second season was really, really excellent. And um, I think that I have more confidence saying this was excellent than the second season of uh, Westworld, which I really grew to hate, actually, the more I thought about it. This is a really imaginative, interesting world. And it's like I contrast it favorably to Stranger Things which had so much potential and was like such an incredible universe to inhabit. And then they were just like, uh, so all this stuff that's cool is just window dressing and we're just going to try and like sell you, you know, like throwback Nikes or whatever the hell their endorsement deals were. Like we're going to make you buy stuff crust pizza. Like I don't even know. It was just dumb. <laughs> it's dumb nostalgia. You know, got, you guys know I feel about nostalgia. So the OA, good show. Great. You love it? Sometimes. <laughs> Cool, I'll I'll get back into that. Hell yeah. I, I like nostalgia it. for like uh pre writing. 
<laughs> like pre-civilization. Yeah. I, have, I have deep nostalgia for Ptolemy. I'm cutting it. Okay, I'm sorry. I just didn't get it. <laughs> What's the name of those caves? L- oh, Lico- let's go. Lasco. Yeah, let's go. Alan, what do you got? Alan, do you always pick your endorsement like right before? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wait. Is, did Sam go already? <laughs> Sam endorsed Elon Musk. Sam endorsed no, no, Elon I Musk. No, nope, you, nope, you only get one. No, because I, I failed. It was uh, it was supposed to be a joke, and I, I flubbed the punchline, so you guys got to let me have a All right. Them's the rules. second crack at it. All right, Sam, what do you got? My endorsement for this week is clean your grinder. Your Excuse weed me? grinder or <laughs> the account where you meet dudes? Like, yeah, right. I think it's your turn now. It's not going to elaborate on that. Your coffee grinder? No, my weed grinder. What? What, what, what was it? it dirty with? Right, that's what I thought. Why would you need to clean a grinder? Turns out, clean your grinder. It's awesome. Makes a big difference. Okay. Far out. Cool. Um, I went to a live podcast recording, like in front of an audience. Nice. On Wednesday for this podcast called Nevertheless She Existed, which is nice. like a feminist podcast where each episode they talk about important female figures in different topics that you probably haven't heard of and it was really funny is uh the topics or the people (laughs) the people (laughs) yeah the topics you've uh, you probably i mean maybe you haven't i don't know how dumb you are that would be (laughs) (laughs) Um, more interesting if i've heard of the topics yeah that's that's right you know exactly how dumb sam is anyone knows but it's it's like a comedy podcast and and um the one of the women who talked was like a co-founder of the daily show they said like huh um yeah they were forgetting other things but they had pretty um impressive credentials some of them and yeah they were really funny so nevertheless yeah. she existed yeah nice i'm going to endorse mcnally jackson um it's a bookstore in my neighborhood but they also have a few other locations and i think it's I used to love Three Lives was like my favorite New York bookstore, but I've slowly kind of turned over and, and come to love McNally kind of more than any other bookstore. It's just like super comprehensive. They have a ton of great stuff. They have amazing sections. Uh, bookstores fill me with like the love their record stores used to fill me with. Now when I go to record stores, I just feel sad because there's no, I mean, there's a reason for them to exist, but it isn't, they aren't, aren't records selling again. They are, but it's it's f- like it's not a fake market. There's no such thing as a fake market, but it's like a voluntary market, right? Like, is, is there such a thing as an involuntary market? <laughs> Market's a necessity. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fair. Um, yeah, which I mean, I think that. But was music stores, ever that? I mean, I think in a way, right? Like, in order to be culturally relevant, you had to go to a store to purchase music at some point, and now mm. you can be plenty. That's definitely I mean, a necessity. Well, Being okay. Culturally relevant. <laughs> yeah, and I'm For sure Asher, there were lots yeah. of people who were going. Well, not anymore. It's like on Maslow's hierarchy, right? Yeah, it's like food, shelter, cultural, cultural relevance. relevance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I want to. Rav, did you coma? What's going on over there? <laughs> I'm just. Raph I'm at a live podcast <laughs> taping right now. <laughs> Raph is syruped as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Got my lean on. Yeah, so you guys should go to McNally Jackson if you're in New York. I'm sure they'll open up locations in other places Wait, where is that? soon enough. There's one in Soho on Prince Street between Lafayette and I want to say Mott. No, Mulberry. It's Prince Street between Lafayette and Mulberry. 
Um, there's one in Williamsburg that's near where Alan. It's near your house, dude. Don't tell him. <laughs> My favorite bookstore in the city is Alabaster. On the Upper West Side? No, it's just on the other. It's like behind the Strand, and they have like rare books, but also just random books. And it's it's just oh, nice. Oh yeah, like on Fourth Avenue between Thirteenth Street and or Twelfth and Thirteenth. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah, it's a beautiful bookstore. Um, My favorite bookstore is uh, Borders. <laughs> Didn't that close? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, what? guys. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. At underscore Perquinos. What? <laughs> can you just go back to being at Have a Cool Penis? Yeah. I please. Might. You should. Why don't you just open three accounts <laughs> and then have okay. them all tweet the same thing? <laughs> well, that I get banned for sure. At Highly Affiligent. At Case of Piles. And you can follow the show at Robot House Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and it's spelled H-A-U-S. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. See ya. Bye. Bye.